In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Christ is in our midst. Thank you. When I was a college student, a young Christian, trying to gain a sense of confidence in my faith, I felt myself always looking for an affirmation of my belief for my faith. I wanted a sense of sureness within myself. I wanted it to be so strong within myself that it was uh, like an airtight container. He is a Christian. He is saved. He cannot be shaken. But I was often shaken. And one of the death blows that people would use against one another back then, I don't know if you ever heard this. They would walk up to a Christian and say, your faith is just a crutch. I don't know if you ever heard that. Your faith is just a crutch. And we'd go, oh no. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's not. Because you're weak. And see, we wanted from within us, we wanted this to be strong, to be seen as strong, not needing anything, having everything that we needed. And we try to explain, no, it's not a crutch. It's just something, I mean, it's, I believe in it. It makes me, I'm strong, you know. We would try on and on. But if someone asked me that or mentioned that today, your faith is a crutch. I say, yes, it is. And in fact, today on the second Sunday of the, excuse me, the third Sunday of the Lenten season, we put our crutch out for display. You could say, it's the Sunday of the precious and life-giving cross. It's the scepter of our King. It's His cross. It's His footstool. It's His throne. And it's it's our salvation. And we need to be propped up by it. I constantly hearken and find solace in the words of St. Paul. When I am weak, then I am strong. I need to be lifted up by the power and the life and the love of God, which is proven right here on this cross. How was he known? How was he revealed to the world most truly? How was his love manifest to the world? You know this. This is the message we talk about almost every Palm Sunday as well. But he was lifted up for the world to see on the cross. That's not the kind of elevation that most of us would want. But it's the kind of elevation that we need. It's not the king that most of us would have thought to choose. Because we don't know what's best for us. And so the God who knows what's best for us told us, revealed himself to us by being lifted up on the precious and life-giving cross. 
And so the church expertly, once again, inspired by the grace of the Holy Spirit, gives us the cross as our consolation. I like to call it a strange kind of consolation, but in the middle of the season of the fast. Here we are at the midpoint, maybe a little tired. Are you a little tired? During the first week of the fast, we were just looking back and counting how many days it's been. Now we're at the turning point and we can start almost counting our days to Pascha now. How many does anyone know? I don't know. One of my kids probably knows. Yeah, you do? Yeah. How many days till we get to eat, I mean, celebrate Pascha? <laughs> but we need, we need the uplifting, we need the elevation, we need the revelation of God's love, and we need the memory of why we're doing what we're doing. Otherwise, it can just feel like we're hanging in there until we get to eat meat again. And that's not the case. While doing a little preparation this week, I came upon this sweet story that I thought I would share with you and make a couple of little points. It's about the Blessed Theodore, the fool for Christ from Georgia, the country of Georgia, not the state. And the story goes like this. In a certain village in Iberia, present-day eastern Georgia, there lived a simple man by the name of Theodore, whom everyone considered to be a fool. So a simple person, not in, if not insane. He never went to church, though he did not appear to have any other failings. And once on the feast of the exaltation of the precious cross, during which multitudes of believers assemble in churches to venerate the all-venerable wood, Theodore thought to himself, today I will go to the church to see at least once in my life, what they do there. So we went, and he venerated the cross with the other faithful, attended the divine liturgy, and was especially moved by the words of the gospel, which we heard today. Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. After the dismissal, he visited an acquaintance of his and asked him the meaning of these words. In jest, the other answered him, that means you should go to the forest and cut down a tree and make a cross and bear it and walk toward the kingdom of God. Theodore indeed went into the forest and made a large cross, which was so heavy that only with great difficulty could he carry it. He thus started to walk, asking every passerby, is this the road that leads to the kingdom of God? Such a question led everyone to believe that they were dealing with a crazy person. And they would answer, walk faster. The, this road goes straight to the kingdom of God. So Theodore made greater haste. He wandered for many days, forgetting to eat and drink. Finally, he reached the border between Iberia and Turkey. And at this point, he caught sight of a monastery in the distance and joyfully said to himself, thank God, that must be the kingdom of God. When he arrived at the monastery and asked his usual question, they realized his simplicity and answered, the kingdom of God is not yet here, but it is close, very close. Rest yourself for a while and perhaps some other travelers will come 
to accompany you for the final stretch of the road to the kingdom of God is very dangerous. The simple-minded Theodore accepted their offer and settled in the narthex of the monastery church where he deposited his cross so as never to be separated from it. The abbot who had perceived his love and simplicity charged him with the care of the garden. Theodore accomplished his duty with great zeal and reverence. One day while looking at our crucified Lord, the icon, he asked the abbot with great contrition of heart, Father, who is that bearing his cross as I do? Why is he nailed to his cross? The abbot answered, That is our Lord Jesus Christ. And he recounted the life of our Lord to him. And henceforth Theodore felt fraternal love for Christ on account of the similarity of their lives. And he spoke to him with familiarity. One day when they had brought him food, the Blessed One thought, Did my brother Christ eat just as I do while walking on earth? I will ask him to share my meager dinner if he wishes. As he was thinking these things, the door suddenly opened and a radiant light filled the church. The icon of the crucified Lord came to life and the Lord Jesus Christ appeared full of glory and beauty. Christ addressed Theodore with the following words, I drank and ate while on earth and now have no need of food. Soon the same will come to pass with you. I am the son of a rich father. I will quickly go to him and will take you with me. I will show you his glory and you will be with me eternally. In the meantime, at the sudden illumination of the church, the abbot and the brotherhood ran in its direction. They thought that the fool Theodore had set it on fire. When they reached the church, they saw the wondrous light and heard the quiet and sweet conversation between the unknown man and Theodore. The Blessed One avoided answering their questions as to what had taken place by feigning ignorance. At last, Theodore told the abbot of the revelation. The abbot, in great astonishment, fell at the feet of the Blessed One, beseeching him, Truly you are a brother of Christ, O man of God. Intercede that he might take me with you to the house of his father. That night, with his customary simplicity and boldness, Theodore prayed for the abbot. Christ then appeared to him again and said, The abbot must continue to labor here. When the abbot learned what our Lord had said, he begged Theodore with tears, Pray to Christ who was crucified for us to have mercy on me for the sake of his most holy mother, though I am unworthy of the house of his father. The Blessed One prayed again to our Lord Jesus Christ, who answered, For my mother's sake in forty days I will take your abbot with you to the house of my father. Following this, the abbot Theodore spent, excuse me, the abbot and Theodore spent their days in prayer. When the 40 days were up, they were both reposed in peace while in a position of prayer. This is a beautiful story about one man's simple calling and response to this gospel reading. Whosoever would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. I was thinking I could tell you, go out into your yard and cut down some branches and make a cross this week. And it might be good to have a cross in your yard. 
But I don't think that's the cross that you and I have to bear. Beloved in Christ, there are many kinds of crosses. When it comes down to it, the cross that we have to bear is that of willful suffering. Willful suffering out of love. Willful suffering in emulation of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the ascetical life is training us for. You understand, this is why we fast and we pray and we deprive ourselves of a little bit of food. And our tummy growls when we get a little cranky and we wish that we could have, we wish that we could have what we want to have, even though we know that we could at any time, but we shouldn't. But the church is teaching us to voluntarily undergo a little deprivation for Christ's sake. Not because he needs it. Do you understand this? Not because he needs to be impressed by us. Father Jeremiah, you did your prayer rule today. I'm really proud of you or something like that. No, it's for my, it's for our sake. Although like a father is proud of his son who takes his first trip on his two-wheeler or something. I think, you know, God, our Father in Heaven is proud of us when we accomplish little things out of love for Him. But all of this is not to gain our salvation or prove anything, but to train ourselves actually to be able to love more freely. Because you see, when we learn to say no to ourselves, systematically and intentionally, by depriving ourselves of a little food, by saying, I don't want to do just what I would like to do now, but I need to spend time in prayer. I need to do some prostrations. I need to bag some food for the homeless. I need to do something. I need to get out of myself. At first, we resist it. At first, we feel like it's a form of persecution because we've been duped into thinking that the greatest freedom that we have is to seek to do our own will. But in fact, that's a corruption of our nature, and we're trying to reclaim what it is that we were truly created for, and it really is to enter into a perfect, free, beautiful communion with God and with one another. But on this side of eternity, where there's so much confusion and there's so much of a corrupted sense of freedom, we do something that's quite radical. We willfully deprive ourselves. We learn how to say no to ourselves, not just so that we can gain some headway in our self-perception of our spiritual life, not so that we can lose a little bit of weight during Lent or something like that, but so that we can begin to say, not my will, but thy will to God and really mean it. Really mean it. But in order for that to be realized in our life, we have to be willing to not do our will. And we have to be willing to do the will of God and the other. Marriage is a good training ground for learning how to do the will of the other. But also being in a community like this is a precious place for learning how to do the will of the other. 
And beloved in Christ, it's through great trust in the love of God and his desire to heal us that we engage in the taking up of our own cross so that we might be healed, so that we might be saved. But the goal isn't only so that I would receive therapeutic benefit from it because that's not the purpose of love. The purpose of love conveyed to me and to you is so that we can become love as well. Not just so that love can reside in me, so that I can become a receptacle of it, but so that I can become a conduit of it. And having received the life and the love that God constantly gives, I'm never afraid of running out. If I think that my freedom is the the best thing that I have going for me, to do my will and get what I want, then I'm constantly worried about getting and retaining all that I can. But when you're touched by the love of Christ and you, receive, you realize that there's a fountain ever flowing that we're drawing from, you give, you strive to give more. You want to give more because he just increases your ability to be a conduit of his love and his life. the way it's experienced in the life of the Christian is by taking up his cross, trusting in God, following him and seeking to to do his will even in simple ways. Like this fool for Christ, go make a cross and carry it to the kingdom of heaven. I think God lays out a lot of little tasks for us in our days that we resist so ardently. But instead, we need to labor arduously to die to ourselves and become alive in Him. And He's given us hope by means of the cross. That's why it's set in the very middle of the fasting season. And we see sitting here before us, the new tree of life. The new tree of life from which the true and living fruit is born forth. From which we eat that which gives us meaning. From which we receive the body and blood of our Lord, God and Savior Jesus Christ. So in the spiritual life and in our pursuit of taking up our cross and following. The first step is to resist doing my own will for the sake of doing the will of God and others. I have to oppose the ego within myself that desperately clings for what it perceives of as being its own. Then, having pushed through the initial stage of selfishness, I can start to serve willingly, You may know I love the words of St. Basil the Great. Make voluntary that which is involuntary. Why are you resisting doing good, you egotist, selfish person? I'm talking to the man in the mirror. But make voluntary what you're resisting to do. Why would you try in any way to inhibit doing the will of God, which will lead to the greatest sense of freedom? Do it willingly, 
And then when you realize that you can do it willingly, then a sense of joy comes within you, a spark that I don't have to kick against the goats, that I don't have to resist the love of God, that I don't have to fight against his calling in my life. A sense of joy and wonder comes. And then, of course, the greatest is for us to become filled with the love of God, to experience the true freedom, to take up the cross and follow him, to be lifted up by this crutch, to be bolstered by this hope, to be taught by this revelation that the most holy cross is. Remember, beloved ones, it's not for us to choose which crosses that we have to bear, but to receive them. We can choose whether or not we bear them, but it's for us to accept by God's beautiful and perfect providence the crosses that he's given. Let me tell you one last mini story in conclusion. You know, St. Paisios, the new of Mount Athos, was someone through him whom many miracles took place. People would come to him and ask for prayers, and they would be healed, or they'd say, pray for my sister, pray for my cousin who is ailing, and he would pray for them, and many miraculous healings took place. But there were also times when healings did not take place, at least physical ones. There was a time when a person confined to a wheelchair was brought to St. Paisios. And St. Paisios kneeled down and grabbed onto the legs of this person and he kissed the little skinny withered legs of the person in the wheelchair and he said, these little legs will carry you to heaven. He didn't say, here are your new legs. You've been miraculously healed. But those who witnessed that experience witnessed something greater than even a physical miracle. An incredible act of humility and love and an incredible trust in God's providence. And that's the trust that we need to approach God with. Whether he heals in the way that we would desire or not. The greatest miracle is for us to be able to follow in his footsteps, to take up our cross and follow him all the days of our lives. Beloved in Christ, be emboldened in your prayer. Be encouraged in your desire for God and in your zeal to love him and love others. Let us be encouraged by the might of the precious and life-giving cross through which the very life of God, which is his self-offering love, was revealed to us so that we may not only be recipients, but participants in that very love. Amen.